Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back with Carolina Newsmakers, Tom Jensen, who is for 16 years, been the director of Public Policy Polling, a nationwide polling outfit, happens to be located in North Carolina, has uh, been doing polling now, as we said, for 16 years. Um, They uh, uh, do all sorts of polling, but the majority of our questions so far have had to do with the uh, outlook for the presidential primaries and also the North Carolina gubernatorial race. We want to talk a little bit now. We've talked about candidates a good bit, uh, Tom. I'd, I'd like to now turn around and talk about issues. Uh, I'll start off with saying, uh, are issues as important as they used to be, or are people basically confused and it's more of a popularity contest? It's definitely something where individual issues don't matter as much as they used to because people are so much more just polarized along partisan lines than they used to be. Uh, We obviously have such a tradition in North Carolina of people really ticket splitting. Uh, you know, in the past where people would generally vote uh, Republican at the federal level and would vote Democratic at the state level. And you'd have lots of people in any given election sort of assessing national issues and deciding who to vote for and assessing state issues and deciding who to vote for. And now everything's just been very nationalized. Uh, And that's something that uh, first started with President Obama uh, being in office. I don't think it was his fault, but uh, reactions to him were just so strong one way or another uh, that it led to people sort of running off into their own camps to a greater extent than had been the case before. Uh, and then that trend accelerated even more under President Trump, uh, where people just kind of weren't willing to uh, to split their tickets in the way that they had once been willing to. And they didn't assess things. They didn't give a lot of careful thought to who the candidates were in a given race or what the issues were in a given race. They just voted Democratic up and down the line if they didn't like Trump. And they voted Republican up and down the line if they did like Trump. That's led to some very interesting realignments across the country. Uh, last month, uh, Republicans lost the mayor's offices in both Uh, Jacksonville, Florida, and Colorado Springs, Colorado, which on the surface of it, you might say, well, what does it matter? Uh, But the upshot of that is that only two of the 35 biggest cities in the country now have Republican mayors, whereas at the turn of the century, New York City had a Republican mayor, Los Angeles had a Republican mayor, Durham and Raleigh both had Republican mayors when uh, this century started. But because, uh, because of this sort of partisan polarization, big cities now are only willing to vote for Democrats. But there's a flip side of that, too, which is that Republicans have control of more county commissioner seats in rural counties, uh, both all over the country and also in particular in North Carolina, than they ever did before, because those rural areas that used to maybe vote conservative Uh, for president, vote conservative for Senate, but were willing to vote for Democrats at the local level, they are now no longer willing to vote for Democrats at the local level, just like people in the big cities are no longer willing to vote for Republicans at the local level. So everything is just kind of going through a Washington, D.C. lens now, uh, where it didn't used to be that way to this extent. I've always attributed this line to to, uh, former President Clinton. I'm not sure if uh, my... uh attribution is correct or not, but I, someone once said, and I thought it was him, it's the economy, stupid. Uh, so we are in a period of inflation right now. Uh, 
that could change uh, within the year before the election. But how important is inflation in determining how people feel about the candidates they're going to vote? Yeah, I think that uh, the economy certainly is a huge issue. And one thing that we've talked about before that I think is still the case is that gas prices have a huge impact on uh, people's psychology in particular, sort of as a uh, as a as a litmus for the entire economy, whether that's really something economists would think should be the case or not. Uh, gas prices were over five dollars last July. That was when gas prices really spiked, and that's when we saw Joe Biden have the worst approval numbers of his entire administration. Uh, we were finding that even a third of people who voted for Biden were not saying that they approved of his job performance last summer when gas prices were over five dollars. Uh, and then as gas prices went down closer to the election, I think that was one of the things that helped Democrats to not do as poorly as the party in power usually does in midterm elections, uh, is that those gas prices went down. So to your point about the economy, I think that, uh, it absolutely is very important and how people are feeling about their personal economic situation will have a big impact on how they feel about voting. Uh, but just to sort of briefly touch back on something we were talking about in the previous segment, this abortion issue has given Democrats something to make the election about more than just the economy. Uh, if the midterm last year had just been a, a, a referendum on whether people were happy with Biden and how they felt about inflation and, and stuff like that, Republicans would have done far better in the election than they did because people aren't happy with President Biden. They do disapprove of the job he's doing. They are unhappy with inflation. They, uh, those things uh, do have an impact. But Democrats have been able to effectively paint Republicans as just being too extreme on social issues, particularly because of the stuff that they've tried to do on abortion. And I think that's had a serious mitigating factor for Democrats of some of these economic issues that would usually really hurt them. Uh, I think definitely uh, abortion has just sort of upended uh, the extent to which Republicans would have otherwise been able to politically benefit from uh, inflation being so bad and the president's approval being so low. Another issue, I guess, uh, that is in the news a good bit, sort of open, off and on in many respects, is whether it's front burner or side burner, and that's the Ukraine situation. How does America feel about that? I think it's something that, honestly, most Americans just aren't thinking about very much on a, a daily basis one way or another. I don't think it's a situation that voters have strong feelings about uh, one way or another. We're really uh, in a situation where in the 16 years that I've had this job, I think that foreign policy issues are sort of at a, a lower level of priority for voters than I can ever remember them being. Uh, when I first started out here, uh, the war in Iraq and issues related to that were the number one thing on the table. Uh, and now when you ask people what's most important to them, I don't think that anything having to do with our relations with other countries or the Ukraine situation would uh, measure very high on the table beyond uh, the economy. I think voters beyond the economy and abortion, I think voters are just so much more focused on crime. They're so much more focused on gun issues. Uh, even more focused on the environment uh, than they are foreign policy stuff. So I think that the Ukraine situation is, is pretty much a wash politically because I just don't think it's something that voters are giving a lot of thought to one way or the other. 
Another issue that has uh, some controversy to it is the uh, issue of student debt and re possible relief for student debt. How does the public feel about that issue? Uh, it's something that voters had a little bit of a sort of flurry of interest in last uh, September when the student loan cancellation package was first announced. And it was something that voters were relatively closely divided about. It was sort of an interesting issue where uh, people started out being pretty strongly in support of canceling the student loan debt. Uh, but then the Republican sort of ecosystem made it pretty clear that they were opposed to it. And I think that Republicans who didn't have strong feelings about the issue, uh, who then sort of saw that Republican voices that they take their lead from have We're having a glitch a right problem now. Go ahead. with it. They sort of went from softly approving of it to then saying that they did, saying that they, they went from saying that they sort of softly approved of it to saying that they disapproved of it. Uh, and that led to a situation where we're having a glitch again. Uh, unfortunately, uh, for our listeners, we're doing this program by Zoom. And from time to time, we have a little dropout with Tom. Tom, are you back? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I guess I am. Um uh so what uh, we've mentioned uh, the ukraine we've mentioned inflation we've mentioned gas prices what are the other issues that could affect how people feel about their uh, chosen candidate in the presidential or the gubernatorial race next year um i think a big issue is going to be crime uh i think that other than and besides inflation and uh and economic indicators that aren't looking great. I think one of the biggest things that you'll see Republicans sort of pushing in their message is, uh, is that crime has gotten out of control and that Republicans really need to be in charge uh, in, in order to make sure that uh, there's more in law and order than there is right now, uh, at least in, in sort of their interpretation of the world. So I think that's something that you're going to see Republicans pushing really hard on is that uh, we, we need people in office who are going to be tougher on crime than Democrats are. So a big one that you'll see Republicans pushing. Uh, I think Democrats, especially with the number of mass shootings that we've seen in, in recent years, I think you're going to see Democrats sort of uh, focusing more on the need for kind of common sense gun laws. Uh, and in the states where Democrats got control of the state legislature in last fall's election, uh, in places like Michigan and Minnesota, uh, you've seen a lot more uh, gun laws getting passed. And I think that you're going to see Democrats want to sort of take that uh, agenda national. But both of those issues sort of just speak to the polarization of the country and how it uh, revolves around issues, because I think you're basically going to see something where Republicans want to talk about crime and Democrats don't. Democrats want to talk about gun laws and Republicans don't. It's not so much where you're going to see uh, both sides agree that some particular thing is a big issue and then debate which side of the issue they think is better. Uh, it's more something where you're going to see each side sort of trying to determine what issues are important because they know that some issues are strong for them and some aren't. You mentioned debates. Uh, last year or the last couple of elections, it seems that debates have less and less to do with the outcome of the election than maybe in previous years to that. Yeah, I think that uh, 
Sorry, I, I, I missed your question. Uh, debates. Uh, oh. Are they as effective in changing people's views about candidates as they were, say, maybe uh, two or three elections ago? No, I really don't think they are. Uh, debates used to be something that obviously had such huge ratings nationally where everybody was watching them. Uh, and you don't have that kind of situation anymore the way you used to where the the viewership for them is just so ubiquitous. So it's harder for them to, to make a difference in that regard. Uh, and then you also have uh, just uh, what we've spoken about a few times that voters are just so unopened to changing their minds about anything. Uh, they're just dug in on their positions and they don't really care what either side has to say about anything. They're not open to changing their minds. There's nothing that somebody can say in a debate that's going to persuade them away from how they already feel about how a particular election's going. One thing that's going to be really interesting is that the Republicans thought that all the debates uh, for president in, in 2020 were unfair uh, and they may just choose not to even engage with them this time around. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, if we even have debates this go around. Well, it's, it's interesting. And of course, there are times where the debate is the only chance that Canada, uh, especially in some of the secondary races, uh, where people have an opportunity to even see the candidates. And, and so maybe debates move down to the lieutenant governor level and council of state level. And those uh, races where uh, the public doesn't have much of a chance to get the views and opinions of those candidates who are running because uh, so much focus is on the presidential election and the gubernatorial race, and they're buying most of the political time that's available on radio and television and and, uh, and controlling social media. Probably want to talk a little bit about social media when we uh, have our final segment of how social media and uh, digital advertising is uh, affecting the outcome of the uh, the races in the past and what the future might be for those two particular forms of campaigning. Our guest is Tom Jensen. He's the Director of Public Policy Polling, and we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll have our final segment with Tom. So you stay tuned. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Adopt US Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting a Teenager Learning the Lingo. GOAT, G O A T, acronym, stands for Greatest of All Time, as in spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. 
We're back with the final segment of Carolina Newsmakers. Tom Jensen is our guest. He is the Director of Public Policy Polling and has been a frequent guest on our program. In our first segment, we took a look at uh, Tom's views on the presidential race and then the North Carolina gubernatorial race, and then we spent some time talking about issues. Tom, I want to talk a little bit now about uh, social media and how that has become a way of campaigning that is not as open to the general public's view as is television or radio advertising. Uh, that and direct mail, of course, are highly specialized. Are you seeing more candidates relying on social media and how are they using it? Well, I definitely think that one of the, the biggest thing that candidates are trying to figure out this day and age is especially how to reach out to young people uh, who definitely aren't consuming media and getting campaign ads in the places that have traditionally been the case. Uh, I know people whose entire job is just to figure out how to reach out to voters on TikTok and that sort of thing. Uh, and I think that that whole sort of evolution in terms of campaign ads has contributed to some of this division in the country that we're talking about because you can really uh, tailor your message to just a very sort of select small group of voters uh, and you don't have to as much come up with messages that you can sort of blast out to the entire population and try to win them over. Uh, so there's this really there's really this ability to sort of just uh, single out small groups with very targeted messages. Uh, and I think that that has perhaps uh, led to some of this segmentation in the electorate where there's not as much of a need uh, to sort of come up with ways of talking about things that appeal to everybody. Well, that leads us to another question about, uh, and you mentioned it, young people are certainly changing their habits as far as media usage, but uh, so are older folks as far as getting their news. At one time, the CBS Evening News, the NBC Evening News, and the ABC Evening News was the primary source of information. Now we have cable channels that definitely uh, uh, not only uh, report news, but also report opinion mixed with the news. Uh, and more and more people are getting their views that way. Uh, this is, in my opinion, a little dangerous because people are, are getting their whatever views they already have are being uh, perhaps enhanced by the coverage they're watching. Uh, do you see that changing or is this going to be a continuing trend? Well, I agree with you for sure that it's problematic, but I, I do not think that we're going to see that trend reverse. I think one thing that was really fascinating sort of in the conservative media ecosystem uh, over the last two years was that Fox News had obviously so dependently, dependably told Republicans whatever it was that they wanted to hear. Uh, and then they called the election for Biden in 2020. And all of a sudden you had these Republicans moving over to Newsmax because Fox News wasn't partisan enough. Uh, and I do think that this is something that's a, a little bit more of a trend on the Republican side to really want partisan news sources than uh, the Democratic side. But it's definitely an across the board thing. Uh, people really don't so much want that sort of neutral down the middle Walter Cronkite uh, at 630 type of uh, news consumption that they had a couple generations ago where everybody was sort of uh, getting the same news from the same people. And, and I think that maybe contributed some to Americans more being on the same page uh, across the board, at least than they are now. Uh, 
but I think that those trends of people just wanting to sort of hear what they already believe or want to get outraged about things that already sort of feed into their existing belief system, uh, I think those are trends that are just going to accelerate rather than uh, rather than sort of even back out. Uh, so we may see that this just becomes an even bigger problem in the years ahead. I'm going to shift back to uh, the presidential outlook just a while. You mentioned a few uh, in the first segment that President Trump's percentage of of, uh, of the vote in the Republican primary has increased to 54 percent uh, to uh, Ron DeSantis at 21 percent. What would you advise Ron DeSantis to do? What would it be his best opportunity to close that gap? That is a, a great question, and I'm, I'm sure one that just about everybody in mainstream Republican land is, is really trying to grapple with and having a hard time uh, coming up with answers to. Uh, and this is going to be sort of a lame answer, but I don't think you can beat Trump at his own game. Like, I remember at one point during the 2016 race, uh, Marco Rubio started trying to call him name. It started trying to call Trump names, and it just made Rubio look really small and ridiculous. So I think the best thing DeSantis can do, and it might work and it might not, but I think it's the best thing that he can do is just go out there, be the best version of himself that he can possibly be, and try to really sell a story to the Republican electorate that he's who can actually bring about effective conservative change. And he has a good success story from his time in office in, uh, in Florida to tell about what he's done. And I think the way that he's going to beat Trump is to convince voters that he can be more effective than Trump, that uh, you know Trump might say stuff that makes them feel better, but DeSantis can actually do stuff that makes them feel better and deals with the issues that they care about and that sort of thing. And then the other thing that I think DeSantis has to really try to do is just outwork Trump. You know, Trump likes to come in on, on his plane and, uh, you know, do his rally and get back on the plane. He's not a very hardworking person, to be quite frank. And if DeSantis is willing to go out there and have 10 events a day and uh, just be talking to a, a lot more people than Trump is, you sort of just hope through word of mouth from all those sort of personal contacts that people start to be open to thinking about something other than Trump. I'm not saying that any of that necessarily is going to work. Trump might be an immovable obstacle, but I think that DeSantis sort of not thinking so much about how do I cut down Trump and just thinking about what do I do to make myself as appealing as possible. I think if there is a path for him, that's probably what it is. When we were discussing Republican candidates, we mentioned Trump, DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott. We did not mention former Vice President Pence. Is he just totally out of the uh, uh, of the picture? He's down in that four or five percent range, just like Haley and Scott are. Um, he just doesn't have much of a constituency. Uh, I'm, I'm not clear on uh, what Pence's angle is, because uh, obviously he was Trump's vice president. So if you love the Trump administration, you're still going to vote for Trump. So there's not really an opening for him there. Uh, and I think DeSantis uh, has more of that lane of sort of the more competent Republican who sort of conducts himself in a more professional manner. Uh, so I'm just, I mean, Pence can run. I'm just not really clear on what his angle is, what, what, what's going to cause voters to move over to him. 
Also, you mentioned earlier the no-label movement, which is made up of uh, some Republicans and Democrats who are in the middle who are trying to essentially, uh, I guess, form a uh, coalition that would appeal to middle America. Uh, but basically, as you pointed out, and I'd like a further comment on that, it probably would play into the hands of Donald Trump in a race against Joe Biden. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that when you look at who moderates vote for uh, within our elections, moderates vote for Democrats more than Republicans. That's actually true pretty much across the board. The reason that uh, Republicans win a good percentage of the time is that there's more conservatives than liberals. So the fact that there's more conservatives than liberals makes up for the fact that Democrats usually vote for moderate, that moderates usually vote for Democrats. But what that means is that if there was a moderate choice, uh, that person would be getting a lot more votes from Democrats than they would be from Republicans. And that would have the likely impact of just handing uh, Trump the White House, because in all those states we've talked about, like uh, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, it would take very little to turn the one or two point wins that Biden's had Biden had in those states in 2020 uh, into one or two point losses. And certainly an independent candidate taking even just 10 percent of the vote, but mostly getting that 10 percent from moderates who would otherwise vote for Democrats, uh, that would be enough to sink Democratic prospects in the election. We've got the entire program and the, the uh... Hispanic vote and the black vote has not been mentioned as a factor in the election. Are, are those uh, two minority groups just not as potent as they were at one time, or uh, are we just overlooking it? No, they're extremely important, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll tackle them one by one because there's sort of different angles that are important with each of them. Uh, what's really important with the black vote is the level of black voter participation, uh, in 2022, black voters, uh, especially in North Carolina, just did not turn out at a very high rate to vote. And when you look at the legislative seats that Democrats lost in North Carolina in 2022, most of them were in districts, uh, especially in the eastern part of the state, that have very heavy black populations and black voters just did not turn out to vote at a very high level. So I think Democrats have a lot of work to do to make sure that black voters are motivated. And I think the new chair of the North Carolina Democratic Party, uh, Anderson Clayton, is very committed to doing the kind of organizing in rural communities that might help turn around this uh, this kind of poor turnout from Black voters that we've seen in uh, recent elections. Uh, Hispanic voters, it's a, a very interesting thing because uh, they, from 20, 2008 to 2016 in particular, were a very reliably Democratic uh, voting group, and they've moved a little bit more towards voting for Republicans over the last couple election cycles. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if that trend continues or not in 2024. Uh, certainly in states like Nevada and Arizona, Democrats winning two-thirds, three-fourths of the Hispanic vote is very important to Democrats being able to win those states. If they can't do that, those states may well end up back in the Republican column. So uh, Democrats uh, with black voters really need to to make sure that turnout's good. With Hispanic voters, they really need to do a good job persuading Hispanic voters to continue to vote for Democrats at the same level that they did when Barack Obama was president. Got about uh, 45 seconds for you to answer this question. Is polling getting to be more and more difficult? 
yes and no. Uh, in terms of uh, sheer accuracy of polling, 2022 is actually one of the most accurate years for polling ever. The, the polls last year were really on the mark about what ended up happening in the election. And that was kind of a big deal because uh, after 2020, there were lots of declarations that polling was dead. And I think uh, in 2022, we showed that polling is not dead. But is it getting more challenging? Absolutely. Uh, fewer and fewer people answer polls than they did in the past. You're uh, a lot of the time in a situation where only one in 100 people who you contact for a poll will actually answer it. Uh, and that's something that's been on an ever gradual decline. Uh, so it's more poll, uh, more expensive and more time consuming to get enough people to complete polls. Uh, so that does make it very challenging. Tom, thank you so much for being with us. Tom Jensen, Director of Public Policy Polling. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com to hear the entire broadcast or just segments you might have missed if you're listening to the half-hour version of the program. That's carolinanewsmakers.com. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong, who promises me faithfully that he will have another interesting guest next week on the same group of stations all across North Carolina. So on behalf of uh, our entire staff and on behalf of Jason, we hope that you have a very good week and we'll look forward to having you with us again next week. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.